0: Take your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 3, and we will look together there just a moment. He can move the mountains. I was reading this morning, 2 Kings, where it said there's some people said He's the God of the mountain, but not of the valley. But the prophet said, oh no, He is the Lord, both of the mountain and of the valley. No matter where you are today, mountain peak or valley low, He is the God of the valley and the mountain. And we cry out unto Him today. Well, we're in a series of messages on prayer leading up to the 4th of July service, uh, where we will spend the morning praying together and then concluding in a prayer time with the Lord's Supper for unity in the family of faith in the world that needs Christ. And so, we're going to pray, we'll worship, we'll take the Lord's Supper, we'll do that on July 4. Leading up to that, I'm preaching in this series on prayer, and Today and next Sunday and the following, I am inserting a, a subset of messages about prayer from the pen of the Apostle Paul as he prays for the church. And today, we get a prayer in Ephesians. Next Sunday, we'll go to the next prison epistle, and then on to the following, and we will see Philippians and Colossians, and where Paul prayed. But this morning, we come to his prayer that we find in Ephesians 3, beginning In verse number 14, Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says that this may be, and is in his opinion, but he says this may be the most beautiful piece of English literature ever penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this prayer of the Apostle Paul. It no doubt is a mountain peak in the Word of God. We could preach for weeks on just these verses we're going to look at uh, today. And so we'll take a look at this prayer, but before we read, I want to invite you to join me on your knees as I read the Word of God. And if you just slide out on your knees, if you can, in the side, sometimes it's a little steep, a little difficult, and you have to turn a little sideways, Uh, but I'm going to kneel here on this kneeler and turn to Ephesians 3 and begin to read in verse number 14. We find Paul's prayer. If you can't get on your knees, don't be embarrassed. It's fine. Some people can't and don't need to do that. But if you're able, Paul said these words, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, I pray that you would grant grace now for us to hear the preaching of this prayer, apply it to our lives, and that we would bend our lives before you. Teach us now, I pray, and take these lips of clay and use them to expound your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You slide back into your seat and let's look together at this prayer you know being on your knees does not make you spiritual it's a posture of it's a good posture you shouldn't kneel there's nothing wrong with it you ought to just because you're on your knees just does not mean you're ready to pray it's not the bowing of your body it's the bending of your heart that puts you before God but to bow our knees is a good reminder Solomon used it in 1 Kings chapter 8 when he came to dedicate the temple. The Bible says that he bent his knee and raised his hands. And in chapter 8 and verse number 54, the Bible says Solomon rose from kneeling to give praise then unto the Father. So we kneel. We bend our life. You should pray. And Paul here is praying for the church at Ephesus. And we should learn to pray for the church. You should pray for church workers, those that lead music, those that sing here, those that teach classes, those that do missions, those that usher, those that preach. You, You should pray for workers. It's not an easy task. I got two texts right after church this morning, early service, about these lights. Right here. One senior adult said, Pastor, I watch online and it just, uh, those cubes just, I I don't know, it just distracts me. Just a moment later, I got a text from a college student halfway around the world in Europe who said to me, those cubes are the coolest lights I've ever seen in all my life. (laughs) I'm being honest now. I got both those messages this morning, just bang, bang, right like that. I told Bobby about it. He's up there this morning. Yeah, you can attest that I did. He just sent me back. He said, how ironic. (laughs) Your workers need prayer. We're not here to please all the people. We're here to please the mighty God, just like you live your life to please Him. We want to love people and encourage, but it's a difficult task from time to time. Pray for workers. Pray pray for the work of the church, not just the workers, but pray for the work. Pray for Bible school. Be a part of it. Pray for this conference that I uh, talked about It's coming. It's August 14, 15, by the way, that marriage weekend. So uh, pray about that. Pray for that uh, work that's going to go on this fall with conferencing and retreats. Uh, Pray for our own Southern Baptist Convention meeting next week, beginning next uh, Tuesday week, and uh, that we would be a people together. Pray for the work of the church. Pray for the workers of the church. Pray for the witness of the church, that Olive would be a shining light within this community, lifting high the banner of the cross. You say, preacher, that's good. How do we pray? Well, I'm thrilled you've asked. This text, I could preach on it for a week after week after week. There's so much in this text. But this morning, I just want to lift three principles out of this text of the way that Paul teaches us to pray for the church. Now he's praying for the church at Ephesus and we should pray for the church at Olive. What should we pray? We should pray for the Christians in the church and he helps us with that and so let's dig into it for just a few moments uh, here together this morning. Number one, he, that is Paul, prays for Christians to have the strength of God. He prays for them to have the strength of God. Notice in verse 16, uh, He prays that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power. That word power is the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that word. That you would be strengthened with dynamite through His Spirit in where? The inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your heart's through faith. Paul always begins with the inner before that he goes to the external. He always begins with the spiritual before he goes to the physical. I'm fearful that oftentimes our prayers are just the opposite. That that makes us pray often is the external and the physical, the cancer and the lost job and uh, the accident and the difficulty. And it's not wrong to pray about those things. Paul prayed about those things. He said three times, I had a thorn uh, in my flesh and I prayed it'd be gone, but it was not. He did pray about those things. But he always begins with the inner man, not the outer. He begins with the spiritual, not with the physical, the internal rather than the external I've heard it all my life. If you will set the center correctly, the circumference will take care of itself. If you'll set the center of your life, the heart of your life, right, other things will begin to fall. Into place. Paul said it in Romans chapter 7 and uh, verse 22 that we joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. There it is. That's where we joyfully concur. It's not external, but with the inner man. Now, friends, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. Jesus promised that in John 16 33. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, Paul's praying here that he be strengthened in the inner man. Where is Paul? He's in jail. If I'm Paul here, I'm not praying for my inner man. I'm praying, God, get me out of here. Amen? God, bust us out. But Paul's praying for the inner man in the inner cell. Do you know who is the emperor of Rome when he writes this? Nero. Nero. He's the meanest hellion the Roman Empire's ever known. He is godless. He hates God. He hates Christians. He thinks he's a god himself. <laughs> if I'm Paul, I'm praying, oh God, kill Nero. Give us somebody else to sit on the imperial throne of Rome. Sounds like some praying out here in our churches today. Begins, oh Lord, if you'll just change the politics, our church will be in good shape. Really, Lord, if you'll just give us the right leaders, you know the church has always thrived greater under persecution it has. For you, really, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray. For the matter of fact, we'll look at that in a few weeks, where Paul tells us to pray for those in authority over us. What I'm telling you is the inner man is the key. Praying for strength in the inner man. The issue is always internal before it is external. How does that happen? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell. He may be Lord. He may live in your heart through faith. It is by faith that He, he is in your life. He, he needs to be in your life. The most most off I believe Misquoted text out of context is Revelation three twenty. The Bible says, "Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. If any man will open that door unto me, I will come into him, fellowship with him, and he with me." I can always remember memorizing that in the King James version. It said, "He will come in, and he will sup, s u p, sup with me." I don't know what that word meant. My mama said it meant supper. I said, I'm not sure that's right. <laughs> fellowship. Your fellowship. That, that's it. That we'll have this relationship. But he's not talking to the lost man here. We often utilize that in soul winning. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's not the primary context. He's knocking on the door of the church house. He's knocking on your door. You're already saved. But not every door of your life is open to God when you get saved. You need to know him personally. Mm-hmm. You need to know him as Savior. You need to know him as friend. You need to know him as the sufficient one. But he's standing at the door of Olive today. knocking. It's like you come to my house, you come to the front door and you knock on the front door. I said, well, come in. We visited a little while. He said, well, can I use the restroom? I said, just down the hall. You go in and shut the door. We visited a little while. They said, because I see your bedroom. I said, I'm not sure that's any of your business. And you said, well, I know you have a gun safe. Can I look in there? I said, no, you can't have the you can't have the combination to get in there. God knocks on every door. When he comes into your life, he wants to have everything open to him. And he's standing today, knocking on the. And only when you open the depth of the inner man will you know the dynamite of God to strengthen you for whatever you're walking through. When you open all of you to all of him, it is then that the strength of God comes. Now for some of you, you've never been saved. He's knocking at your door and he's saying, I want to save you. Friend, you ought to invite him to to come into your life today and save you. Like you saw these standing in the baptistry, like a young lady that I led to the Lord last Sunday, standing right there. She was baptized today. You'd invite him to save you. If you'll ask him, he will. He needs to be your savior, but he also needs to be your friend and he also needs to be your all sufficient one. I have a dear friend who works in a senior adult facility here in the city. She called me this week. She said, Pastor, pray for me. I, I've got some things i got to do here. But she said, let me give you a testimony. I said, yeah. She said, there's an old man. And she she strung out that word, old. She said, he is an old man. And she said, I'm talking to him. Yesterday, I talked to him. I asked him if he knew the Lord. And, and he said, I, I know About the Lord. She said, I I want to know, do you know him personally? He said, No. She said, I pushed him. She said, We live in the urgency of the gospel. I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, I I, I told him about Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb and how God had saved him if he'd call on him. She said, I circled back to his room yesterday afternoon and I asked him, and he said, I made peace. I asked the Lord to save me today. Praise the Lord. Roger Arnett, Senior adult facility. She said, Pastor, I showed up this morning and he was dead when I got there. She said, we must live in the urgency of the, let me tell you, friend. I live and preach today in the urgency of the gospel. Today's the day. Now's the time. If you're watching by television, radio, listening on another campus, I I can't implore to you deep enough that if God's speaking to you today, trust Him today. If you're in this room, you've never trusted Him. He's not going to you. Trust Him today. 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 A man stood right here after first service. I prayed for him last week. He had a heart attack. Thought he was going to die. He's visiting here from Maryland, visiting part of his family. His wife wept and wept and wept. She said, I thought my husband was going to die while on vacation. He's doing fine. Some of our men, from time to time, I'll say, it's good to see you. They said, it's better than being viewed. That's what I told him this morning. I said, it's good to see you. It's better than being viewed, isn't it? He said, oh, amen. It's the inner man. Have you released your inner man? To Christ, When you do, the power, the dynamite of God comes for whatever that you're facing. That's where the strength comes from. It's not from the external. It's from the internal man. I'm not telling you don't work out. Work out. But work out your soul so that the inner man finds strength. Secondly, Paul prays, oh God, he prays for Christians not only to have the strength of God but to have the love of God. The love of God. Hey, church, listen. We're in the loving business. You're just as dead as the first crowd. We're in the loving business. Can I get a witness? Oh, that's the business we're in. We're supposed to love God, love our man, and love fellow man. And Here Paul says it. Here's what he prays. That he would not only strengthen you in the inner man, but that you would be rooted in verse 17 and grounded in love that you might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. The breadth of love, the length, the depth, the height. Look at those for just a moment. How broad is the love of God? Revelation 5, 9 tells us but every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation are going to be there. Every tribe, every tongue, every friend that's who we're supposed to be loving. You love every tribe, every tongue, every race, every ethnicity. Every background, our love is that broad. It is to be as broad as the love of the Lord. He said in Revelation 5, then in verse 11, that when we get to glory, that He numbered them, and there were myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. That's the, that's the breadth of God's love. Can't even comprehend how broad it is. He, he loves us all, every tribe, every tongue, every people. I, I had a text this morning from my good friend over in Romania. I got it Just as I got up to preach the first service, he was telling me. I sent him a text late last night, Brother Elijah. He sent me one this morning. I said, I'm going to bed. You get up to preach. <laughs> and this morning, I get up to preach. He's going to take a nap. He's already done. He's preaching in Romania, and I preach in English. Every tribe, every tongue, every race, every ethnicity. Oh, the breadth of God. The length of God. How long is the love of God? Jeremiah 31.3 says it's an everlasting love. He's loved us with an everlasting love. When you read in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, in verse number 8, you find that He has loved us from the foundation of the world. How far back does the love of God go? All the way to the foundation. How far does it go For Everlasting. He loves us forever. Right there in front of you, there's a blue book. We never use it. Pull it out. It's called a hymnal. 292. Look look at this. Just flip it open to 292. We're not going to sing. Don't get nervous. George Matheson wrote this old hymn. You've never heard it. Oh, love that wilt not let me go. Notice the first half of the first stanza. Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. There's the love of God. There's the love of God. That's a love that it won't let you go. I don't care how far you run, he won't let you go. And you can rest your weary soul in him. Amen. That's how long God bless, the, the breadth, the length. Then you, you, you see the, the depth. The depth, how deep is the love of God? Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 tell us, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, being made in likeness of men, being made in appearance. Uh, as a man he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. How deep is the love of God? He died. He died. for You ought to lay down your life for your fellow brethren. That's the love of God. That's the love business that we're in. How how broad do we love? We love everyone. What's the length of our love? We love forever. What's the depth of our love? We lay down our life as Jesus did. What's the height? 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. Oh, He loved us. (laughs) He loved us the place that we are like him, that people would look at you and say, what's different about you? Jesus is what's different about you. So you don't act like everybody else. Why? Because Jesus is in me. It's the love of God. We hardly ever do it unless we're having a senior adult meeting, but we sing at those senior adult meetings. Everybody always wants somebody to sing Beulah Land. Everybody. You know what I want Beulah land, I'm longing for you. Yeah, i are going to sing that song. The word Beulah is found in the Bible one time. It's in the book of Isaiah. In the Hebrew dialect, the word Beulah means married. Where you're going to Beulah land, which is heaven, is the land of marriage. And it's not the marriage that you have here. He's the husbandman, we are the bride. He's the groom, and we the church are married unto him. we go to Beulah, that's the most faithful husband ever. Now I look out here, there's some faithful men in this crowd. Some of y'all been married 10, 20, 40, 50, 70 years beyond, faithful. But none of you have been as faithful as Jesus. He's pure and right every time. That, my friend, is the love of God. The way that He loves us, we are to love one another. So if you're sitting there this morning and you hacked off at your spouse or your kids, you've come to the right place. Because God wants to give you strength and the inner man to go do what he's called you to do to love one. It's how you ought to pray for one another. Pray. Pray for the strength of God. Pray for the love of God. And then thirdly, very quickly, he says in this text, He prays for Christians to have the fullness of God, the fullness of God. This is the incarnational living of Christianity. Uh, Notice it in in three verses in in Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 19, the, the Bible says for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, that is in Jesus. Chapter 2 and verse number 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Chapter 2 and verse number 9, for in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. All the fullness of God is in Christ and in Christ is in us. In Romans 8 and verse 29, it's a verse that a lot of Baptists hate, but oh my goodness at the power in this verse because they don't understand predestination. For those whom He foreknew, we also predestined to become conformed, what? To the image of God. What we're predestined to be is to be like Jesus. That's it. That that we have Jesus in us and he conforms us that the world sees not us but sees Christ in us. You see your Lord in you. I I see my daddy in my hands all the time. I can just... The older I get, the more my hands look like my father. The older I get, the thinner my thumb becomes flatter and fatter. Just like daddy's thumbs. And I can just see, when I look down, I see them. Except for the scar that's on this one. But then it reminds me of him because I got that scar in his butcher shop. He's teaching me to cut chickens. And I cut meat. I, I come in from walking in the morning. I look at my legs. I see my daddy's chicken legs. It wasn't long ago. My wife, she said to me, she said, do you remember when we first got married, you could not buy blue jeans? I said, yeah, I did. She said, your thighs were so thick, we, we couldn't get blue jeans hardly for you to wear. I was right out of college athletics. She said, now you can get slim cut. I said, hey, amen, I know It's like my daddy. I, it's my daddy's in me. My son, he had a trial this week. Lawyer he won the case. And he kind of popped off a little bit about winning. I put on the Facebook account. I said, "He's just like his mama. <laughs> just likes to win all the time. Likes to win. He got that from his mama. I had some people rebuke me about that. Said, oh, he got that from you. I said, you don't know my wife evidently. Well, our parents give us our physical side. They they give us a DNA. They give us a personality. But the Father will conform your image. I don't mean your facial image. I'm talking about your inner man. Jesus will form the inner man so, so that people will see Christ reflected. Amen. That's the best thing for your marriage. It's the best thing for your kids that they would see Jesus. How in the world could a Christian ever abuse a child or a woman? You, You can't. That's not the image of Jesus. That's the image of the demonic. The image of Jesus loves. The image of Jesus protects. Jesus lays down his life. It's the fullness. You got to have the fullness, beloved. Not just a little bit. You got to have a fullness. And he gave some as apostles and prophets, some as evangelists and pastors and teachers over in Ephesians 4. Why did he give us that? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body. Of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to what? Say it out loud. Fullness. Say it out loud. Do we attain to the what? To the Fulness. Can I just tell y'all something? Today's been the hardest day of preaching work I've had in a long time. The church is tired today, evidently. I can't get a grunt. I can't get an amen. I can't get nobody to jump up and go to the bathroom. I'm, I mean, I'm telling you. It, it, it. <laughs> fullness. Oh, yeah. The fullness of Almighty God. Filled up to the fullness. Not not just a little Sunday morning will do you. I mean the fullness of Jesus in you and through you. Fill my cup, Lord. Mm-hmm. I lift it up, Lord. Yeah, that's it. Fill me. Fill me. How we start this sermon? We start this sermon on our knees. And the only way to know fullness is to end this sermon on your knees. The only way to be full of Him is to be empty of you. And you come to the end of you at the beginning of the fullness of Him. And so we need to end where we started, with the full. Libya, come join the pastor right here. Come to me. Yes, come. Rachel, you want to come with her? She'll feel more comfortable. Yes. Yes, thank you. This is my sweet friend from India, via Korea, via New York, via Texas. Yeah. And we are glad she is here. So tell us, and you can speak in this, Michael, pick you up right here. Tell us what you left in India.
1: But this is very surprising. You didn't say.
0: No, I word. didn't tell you. That's, that's the way our pastor does. It yeah. wasn't
1: planned. It wasn't, it wasn't planned. No,
0: I don't plan nothing. Um. Tell me what you left in India.
1: I left my spirit children in school. And yeah, that's and all, all my belongings, but my children, the spiritual children that I worked with last 18 years in India. Yes.
0: And to be turned away from the country, you had to leave them all behind.
1: Yes. Yeah. In, um, it was in two weeks that I had to live and yes.
0: So the only way we do that is to trust Jesus with all those children.
1: Yes, it was very hard. My heart was aching, and I was pounding my heart. And I was—it was very hard. But um, yes, um, yes, I had to trust the Lord. and yes,
0: and He is sufficient, and He will see you through, and He will see those children through. That's this sweet girl we met as she surrendered her life years ago to leave all she had and go to the mission field, then to marry her sweet husband and then to see his death come, then to continue on until India said we would not renew your visa and gave her just days to get out of the country. And now she's come and been here 10 days in quarantine because India was hot, hot, hot with the covid You say, what's next for her? Jesus is next for her. That's all we know. And that is enough. I wonder if it would be enough for me. This sweet girl is not perfect. But she stands in front of you surrendered today. Filled with the fullness of Jesus alone. Libby I want you to know today and the reason I ask you to come stand here with the pastor these are some of the greatest people in the world we don't know what will happen with you in the next week or the months or whatever but we will be your family from this day forward you are ours we will love you we will help you and do all that God calls us to do to get you to your next station be it here, New York, India, or somewhere in between, Thank you, this preacher loves you, and this church Thank loves you with all our heart. Thank amen you. and Thank amen. You. Yes.
1: Thank
0: you, amen. Thank you. 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 Say, so preacher, if I sell out, do I have to go to India? Maybe. But I know you got to go home. And for some of you, it's tougher at the house than it is over yonder. Take the next step where God wants you to go. Sam and Emily said over here, end of the month, taking off, going to Planet Church. Where does that come from? Surrender, fullness. So it doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense in your economy, but there's another economy that's above your economy. The question today the Holy Ghost is asking you, have you opened every door of your heart he's knocked on? If not, let's get about it. Let's be God's people. Let's get every door of olive open. Say, Lord, not our will, yours be done. John's going to begin to sing. This altar's open. We started on our knees. Maybe you need to end this service on your knees. If you're here without Christ, come see me. If you're here to join the church, come see me. But if you just need to come lay something on the altar, let's spend a few minutes doing that this morning. All to Jesus, I surrender. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Thanks for joining us today at Olive. Grateful to God that uh, you were with us. And today I pray that you've been on your knees with the Father as we've looked at Paul's message out of Ephesians. If you've not slipped on your knees to pray, I ask God that he'd move your heart, that you'd do that. And after you've been on your knees, you rise, pick up your phone, text me at 94,000, send me that word Savior, and we'd be delighted to hear from you that we might be able to reach back to you. Again, thank you for joining us today. On our knees together, broken and surrendered. That is where we need to be.